Welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Sox. And I'm Lori Sox. And today we're joined by members of the PALS program. The PALS program is really cool. And I think you found the program online. And what it is, is they have inclusive camps. All across the country. All across the country. And then they do this incredible program called the Congratulations Letter. And I love that it brings celebration back to expectant mothers of children with Down syndrome because uh, some of that celebration gets taken away with a diagnosis or with preconceived expectations or lack of expectations from people around us. And this is the opposite. That's right. And we can, we'll learn more about the program and about the letters and who writes the letters and, and how it all came to be, which was all so very exciting. You had this one on your own, though. This is all. Yeah, this was odd. This was odd because um, Liam woke up with an ear infection, so we took him to the doctor, and so I was not part of this. And I and I mentioned that because as we were discussing this episode, uh, that's just part of that's part of life having children. Period, and it's just something that that we do. We roll with the punches, and what I've learned when Liam, who doesn't always really complain until it's to a certain point. So he won't normally say he's uncomfortable that a little tug of the ear or a wipe of the eye. And I go in there and I start to examine and before things get too out of control. So Stephen had this because I was taking Liam to the doctor. And you were missed. (laughs) Good. It's good to be missed. So here we are, our interview with the PALS program. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Colton, would you like to start the introductions? Yeah, um, I'm Colton, somewhat in the flesh, I guess. Um, communications coordinator. I do all the social media and graphics and writing and stuff. Um, do you guys want to just go around and uh, say who you are and what you do and all that good stuff? Yeah, I can, I can go next. Uh, I'm Jenny. I serve as the executive director. I'm one of the co-founders of PALS as well. Uh, most importantly, sister uh, over here. So you want to introduce Did yourself? You sister? No, I said I'm your sister. <laughs> I'm Jason Newberry, and I wish I was your sister CEO, but I have down to room yes, so I'm glad to be here. You wish you were the assistant CEO? Yeah. You never told me that before. I could work on that. You probably got some pull there, right? Yeah, I know. He knows some people. So keeping it in the family, Mom, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Robin. I'm serving as the mother of Jenny and Jason. And then Grace. Hi, I'm Grace. Um, I'm the Congratulations Project Associate. So I do everything for the Congrats Project. Um, and I also have two siblings and my middle sibling has Down syndrome. So that's how I got involved in PALS. Well, for us, we were not Down syndrome advocates until 10 years ago when Liam was born. Things come to the forefront of your life and you see injustices and you see inequalities, you see misperceptions, and you think to yourself, this isn't our story. This isn't how things should be. And so you ask, how, how do I rectify that? And when I came upon the PALS program, 
the first thing I saw was the congratulations project, and it really was so amazing. It was something that we wish we had had 10 years ago. It's um, a way to send positive information to, to people. It's what why we're doing this podcast. And uh, I know it's just part of the PALS program, but Jenny, tell us more about PALS. Uh, we're a nonprofit that creates inclusive summer camps for individuals with and without Down syndrome. Uh, our camp programs are all volunteer-led, so led by young people, uh, designed to change attitudes, transform lives, and inspire a world of belonging. Um, during camp, so each of our campers is paired one-to-one with a peer-aged volunteer, and together they spend the week on a team enjoying new adventures, exploring a new city, and having some, some new shared experiences. Uh, all of our week-long programs are held on college campuses, and they provide opportunities for our campers and volunteers to explore a local city, uh, demonstrate inclusion to the community. So ultimately, our goal is kind of to be able to inspire this world of belonging. And so we believe that those friendships and that um, just inclusive aspect of our program is able to do that. Well, I don't think it should go unnoticed just hearing that that these camps happen at a university. I think that's pretty amazing because it's something that when we found out Liam had Down syndrome, that was one of the things that kind of like was thrown out of the window for us, you know, by people around us, just that, that just throw that out, you know, and, uh, and, and we've come to realize that we don't have to throw that out. That's an option as with anybody, it shouldn't be overlooked where these camps are happening. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's something we feel really strongly about too. I mean, we've used universities because they're so closely tied to the communities so that they're a great resource there. But I completely agree. It makes a statement. It makes a statement that our group belongs in the community, that we belong in that higher education space, that we have something to learn and something to teach others. Um, and, and so, yeah, we have uh, gosh, last, last summer we had 17 programs across the country serving over 1,500 campers and volunteers. So we have programs from Philadelphia to San Francisco, Maine to Chicago, uh, eight different states. And so, you know, it's, it's been our privilege to grow, but absolutely using universities has been a really phenomenal tool for us. But the origins of PALS is in Pennsylvania, correct? Correct. We were founded in Philadelphia. And what year was that? In 2004 was our very first summer. Wow, you've made such progress, my goodness. Yeah, it's certainly something we didn't expect. I was 15 when we first founded the, the organization and we had 16 campers and volunteers. I have no idea when, why anyone thought it was appropriate to leave their children with us on a college campus. I never would have done it, but yeah. And, and you know, we've just continued to grow and grow. And in 2012, we began to look at new locations to see if we could build beyond Philadelphia. And, and since then, it's, it's just been this wild ride of, of not only campers, but volunteers also being able to, to just testify to how much of a transformative experience it really is. Um, and, and yeah, it's just been a total privilege to be able to, to grow this organization over these years. Well, when did the Congratulations Project come to be? How did that happen? Yeah, so honestly, the best way to hear about the Congratulations Project starts with a story from my mom um, and really kind of my brother's diagnosis and how that all happened. So maybe, Mom, if you want to share a little bit about that and how how that came into the world might give a little bit more perspective on the second piece. Um, I guess our story begins when Jason was born. We did not have a prenatal diagnosis. Even at the time he was born, no one seemed to express any concerns. We figured everything was fine. Um, we did notice we only got to hold him a short period of time and they whisked him away. They said they had to check his vitals, um, you know, his temperature checks, 
we noticed there was more medical staff around him perhaps, but nothing that would you know make us think anything out of the ordinary really. Um, my husband stuck around for a few hours and then he headed home because Jenny was about two years old then. So she was home with my parents. So he headed home to share the good news with her. So I was pretty much alone when um, the pediatrician came in to do the morning rounds. So um, I remember he sat down and the first thing he said is there's a bit of a problem. Um, we suspect that your baby has Down syndrome. Um, he quickly launched into a whole long list of medical issues. Um, probably carried Jason from birth through his whole life uh, and tests that they would need to run. Um, I don't think I processed much of it at that point. I think um, I remember feeling overwhelmed, worried, uh, anxious to connect with Mark since I was alone at the time. Um, following his visit, a nurse came into the room and uh, she told me I had options. And her suggestion was that we did not have to take the baby home, which, you know, I kept thinking, what's gonna happen to the baby? And she quickly followed that up with, you know, babies with Down syndrome are high in the adoption list. So I think that was probably like my lowest point. <laughs> and I think the only thing I knew at that point was there was no way I was leaving the hospital without Jason. Um, the next morning, a new pediatrician came in uh, to cover for our pediatrician. His first words out of his mouth were like, congratulations on your new son. And he said, before I address any of your concerns or questions, I have a mom who would love to come up and visit you guys. She has a young son, uh, six years old with Down syndrome. And we were like, absolutely, you know, we'd welcome it. I remember she arrived, she had a photo album of her son. Um, it was actually, her son had turned six years old on the day she came to visit me. So just the fact that she showed up, you know, on his birthday, um, it was amazing. She showed us milestones in the book. She answered questions and concerns, silly questions like you had mentioned, like, you know, what about college? What about this? I mean, we were even like, are they going to be able to, to do sports, play anything or, or, you know, silly questions you have. But I think that for Mark and I, that was the turning point where we could see, hey, there was a future out there for Jason. So um, as years went on and uh, we continued to get more involved in the Down syndrome community, what Mark and I noticed is that our story was not a unique one and that many other families had similar experiences. So I think, you know, our feelings are there really isn't enough being done to change the way a family receives a diagnosis. Um, and I think that's why the PALS Congratulations Project is so important to us. I think from a parent's perspective, we feel like connections like this is what gives you the hope that you need, you know, for the future for our kids. So that's kind of how we started. That's an Thank you for opening up on that story, because that is, I think, an experience for so many parents, the first part of of the experience and you saw exactly how um, having some kind of insight and some kind of touch with with someone who's experienced it can can relieve your stresses and and make you understand that maybe there's not as much to have to stress about i've often told jenny that the congratulations project is therapeutic for me because um i'm the one that gets to distribute the, the gifts and the packages and choose letters and such. So um, every time I send a letter out, it just takes me back. And I just feel like I hope it gives them a sense of hope that we, you know, need it back then. How many letters have been sent so far? So Grace, do you want to talk a little bit about how many letters we've sent and where they've been going? Yeah, sure. So we have sent over a thousand letters um, to date. We've had our biggest year this year, actually. Um, and at each PALS programs, we have each camper write a new letter. 
Um, so we send out a new letter to each family and they all start with congratulations. Um, so once we have all these letters, we scan them all in and we read through them. And then we add a picture of the individual at PALS. Um, so as requests come in, we pick out a new letter for the family. And then many families include notes um, too with additional details about medical or their siblings. Um, and this is just more information that we use to find the perfect letter for them. And we've also sent these letters to 49 states right now and then 44 countries across the world. Okay, what state hasn't been covered? We gotta do that, right? <laughs> North Dakota, we're waiting on it. <laughs> Shout out to North Dakota, please request a letter. <laughs> Thank you, Grace. You know, Jenny, I see you and I see your brother there with you. And it reminds me of my daughter, Sophia, who is two years older than my son, Liam. And I always think of how how she's developing as a, as a young lady and how uh, Liam and our experiences have changed her, changed us all for the better. I would think Sophia's got patience that I never had as a, as a child and, and also a feeling of protection and, and advocacy. Jenny, tell us about your relationship with Jason. Yeah, you know, um, it's pretty good, right? We have a pretty good relationship. <laughs> um, no, you know, I, it's been really fascinating reflecting and thinking about this podcast. You know, I grew up defending Jason. I, you know, my job was to make sure that he was protected, he was defended, and that he did everything he needed to do to kind of fit in. Um, and even when we created PALS, in my head, camp was going to be this, this kind of safe space for him, a place that I could create where he would be safe. And it's interesting because now as we've grown and as time has gone, uh, I've, I've learned that the impact of PALS is so much more beyond creating a single place where our campers feel safe. But instead, it's about enabling our campers to have this transformative experience on our volunteers, um, that they're able to transform perspectives and, and honestly change the course of people's lives through their relationship and just, um, just who they are. And, and, and that's really been my experience with Jason. And, you know, I look back and I've seen all of the ways in which he sculpted me as a human being, whether it was with his humor or his just... Uh, genuine ability to call me out on my stuff um but you know but also in just this desire to to recognize that jason's not the person who needs to change but it's the world that needs to change and really that's what that mission of pals that concept of inspiring a world of belonging you know not just creating a place but creating a place that inspires people to want to go out and make the world a different and better place and i think you know, that's really what Jason has made me want to do. And that's, that's, you know, that's been our whole life story together is kind of changing the world as a team. Um, and, and, you know, I don't, I honestly have no idea who I would be or what I would do if I wasn't Jason's sister. That's like my, my most defining characteristic in life. And so honestly, having that been, having that be my life experience has been a great blessing for sure. What a gift. Growing up, I didn't have any personal experience with Down syndrome. I was told things about Down syndrome, but I didn't actually have any experience with someone with Down syndrome. And as you said, Jenny, as these experiences happen and you see people that have never really had experiences with people with Down syndrome, it opens up these doors. It opens up this idea of, yeah, we're not so different, right? And I think that's uh, so important. And I, and I can see how the PALS is doing that. Um, when we go back to the the idea of the congratulation letter have you had an opportunity to get any feedback from any of the letters or we have we really love um hearing from our letter recipients it's awesome to hear their stories and then share that with the pals community 
Um, actually, when families receive their letter, they have an option to respond to their letters, and then we send those to our authors, um, our individuals with Down syndrome from PALS. And then often we also receive um, pictures of the babies that have received a letter. Um, and sometimes they'll be in their future camper onesie, which is really cool to see. Um, and each family receives this onesie and it entitles them to their first camp at PALS for free, which is an awesome part of our project, I think, too. Um, and recently we had a family saying um, when they received their letter, it was like a light going on for their family. And they expressed um, how excited they were that one day their daughter gets to go to PALS. That's wonderful. Um, and these are all physical letters mailed to the post office. No, no emails, right? People respond via email, but we send them all out through the mail. How, how, how would someone listening to the podcast who maybe just got a diagnosis or just wants to know more, or how do they contact you or how would they go about getting the letter? So families um, or their friends can request a letter on our website. Um, they're of no cost and they include the letter and then the onesie along with some of our PALS bracelets. Um, so we've been doing lots of medical outreach and um, Down syndrome organization outreach to further um, reach more communities in, that are receiving the diagnosis. Um, so hopefully we, we help with that. That's the idea, right? Definitely. A lot of it is word of mouth too. Um, and sometimes even our PALS community will hear of a diagnosis and then go on our website and request a letter, which is awesome. And that website is? Um, congratulationsproject.org. And I will definitely put that in the show notes so it'll be easy to link on to. Perfect. <laughs> Robin, did you have anything you wanted to say? tag on a little bit what Grace was saying. We also do get people whose young adults, they're young adults or they could be five and older and are just looking kind of for a pen pal sometimes too. So we kind of improvise a letter out to them. Uh, you know, so I think there are people who, you know, are past the infant stage, but are still looking to connect. And actually they save the letters. They say they want to save the letter for when their child gets old enough to read it themselves and hopefully connect them that way. So which is nice. I think that's something that is so unique about the project in and of itself. So these letters are, are only written at PALS um, and they're written during this transformative experience, this, this opportunity for a week away from the real world in a place that is genuine and accepting and supportive and having the you know pure and genuine thoughts of, of campers and young people with Down syndrome saying, this is what I'm proud of this is what I've accomplished in my life. This is what my future hopes and dreams are. I think that's where just like the core heart of this project lies is in these, in these unadultered, unfiltered words directly from our self-advocates speaking directly to these new families. And I think that that's something that really sets the project apart as well. And it's something that you can touch. You know, it's something that you are holding onto a piece of paper that someone took the time to write that was at your facility and... And it's it's kind of an old school thing. That's why I kind of mentioned, but it kind of does now. We're kind of going old school, but I mean, a podcast is old school. I always talk to Lori and go, we've kind of gotten back to old school radio, you know? So, <laughs> but um, Jason, could I ask you, uh, as an adult with Down syndrome, could you talk to us a little bit about your life, about what you uh, would want people to know about you and, and Down syndrome? I was born in 1990. And that was when my mom first thought about something like Congratulations Project around my arrival. 
having Down syndrome was especially hard in school because I was bullied. But life was easier with recreation and camp stuff. I learned to be an advocate. I have had jobs at the gym, Princeton Women's Center, and Victor's Pizza. Although I miss them all now with COVID, I like baseball and I love surveying the right board because I'm obsessed with Captain America. I want the world to see that people with Down syndrome can share their knowledge. We can live independently, cook food, and still stand up to our mothers. I think the thing that needs to change in the world is people's attitudes. I want moms to have new babies, have them look at by the pediatricians and then have them look at each other face to face and say, wow, that's a perfect baby. You know, watching Jason grow up and, and learn advocacy kind of along the same side, along the same path as me has been something that's kept us close as siblings. You know, we learned to talk about Down syndrome at the same time. We learned uh, how to speak in public and share our story at around the same time. Um, you know, we've learned the impact of PALS at the same time. I remember one of our first uh, speeches that we did together, Jason, I was preparing to go on stage and I said, okay, you know, what are some of the things I should say? And Jason said, well, you should talk about how we both have Down syndrome. Which and, you don't. And, which, yeah, at the time, and which I don't. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, 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 you know, wait, that's not, that's not true. And Jason was like, well, you know, we do all of this stuff together. Who, who, it doesn't matter which one of us has Down syndrome. And that's kind of how it's been, you know? It, it doesn't matter which one of us has Down syndrome. We've been an advocate for each other forever. And uh, being able to be in this space and be able to fight for a world that we both believe in um, has 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 been a really cool process as siblings, for sure. I uh, I know it's more than just Down syndrome, but I see so much, like I said, Jenny, of my daughter and you, and I see, Robin, so much of, of Lori and I and you, and uh, I'm so glad we're talking. Grace, can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in PALS and maybe your experience with Down syndrome? So um, I have a younger sister with Down syndrome. Um, she is... 17 now, which is a little scary, but um, she originally went to PALS at, for her first summer when she was, I think, 13. Um, so that was about five years ago now. And then in that same summer, I decided to go to PALS after she had an awesome experience. Um, and I've been going back ever since. Um, I volunteer every summer because I love it. And I truly believe in everything that PALS values and creating a world of belonging. I can really resonate with Jenny's story, um, being a sibling. And I've learned just so much from my sister. Um, and she's, I don't know who I would be without her today. So I'm really lucky. Thank you, Grace. Jason, to get back to you, um, when you said Captain America, wow, he's a big part of our household. <laughs> uh, it used to be just Star Wars, and now Captain America's come through. And so... When Liam hopefully walks through the door, uh, he he'll, he'll can show you his Captain America t-shirt he's most probably wearing. We have to get dozens of them so that we don't have to do as much wash. <laughs> Jason, you have to tell him what your go-to outfit is for the Pals fashion show. My Captain America 
costume that my um, brother-in-law Steve gave me for this past Christmas, 2018. Yeah, he's got a full head-to-toe Captain America costume that yeah. he likes to bring for the fashion shows that we do at camp. Which is kind of fun, but other reasons, if I didn't do it that way, anyways, in July 4th, it would be more easier. Yeah, we got to get it to align with the holiday. Yeah, so then so. you can really be Captain America on the day we celebrate yeah. America. So, That's know. what we need. Because <laughs> it means Independence Day, yeah. buddy. <laughs> So one of the ways in which you're a star, Jason, is your uh, being in the Congratulations Project book, where one of your letters was featured. So Jason, um, Jason and my daughter are on the cover of the Congratulations Project book. Yeah. But Grace, maybe you want to talk a little bit about what that is and how that's another vehicle in how we're able to share letters. So in 2018, we created the Congratulations Project book, and Jason's featured in the book. Um, he's on the cover, like Jenny said. But each um, page has a handwritten letter um, that we scanned into the book. And then it has a picture of the author that wrote the letter as well. So we've been trying to put these books in medical offices and hospitals that are receiving or giving the diagnosis in order for um, more families to come across our project and hear the words congratulations from our individuals with Down syndrome at PALS. The main way to get that book is to be at the um, office or is there another way they can receive the book? We sell them right now on Amazon and then through our website. Um, so you can purchase the book on our website and then we're also distribute, distributing them to hospitals and medical offices, like I said. Congratulationsproject.org is the best place to send everybody. That's, that's awesome. I want to see that book. <laughs> and that's a great link to, like I had talked about earlier, about we're active on some Facebook uh, groups and sometimes people reach out saying I've just maybe even not a diagnosis maybe just I have a really high chance now and I'm now joining this group because we're worried and we want some answers and I'm always looking for new things and new ways to send people because everyone's got their own little thing they want if it's not a, a movie or a podcast or an article maybe they want a, a book especially a book like that where maybe they're not coming around to get the letter now but they can see an example of all the letters. You know, that's, that's been a really great way because our letters are sent individually to new families. The Congratulations Project book has been a great way for someone who says, I just want to learn more. I just want to see these letters. I want to put this book on my coffee table. Um, it's been a really, really great way for us to grow our outreach. Uh, a couple years ago, we received uh, some funding specifically to uh, donate a bunch of these books. And so we donated 300 of these books to people all across the country who requested to bring them into their OBGYN, to their genetic counselor offices, to sit in hospital waiting rooms. Uh, we even had one of our campers who brought this book to the OB who actually delivered her and said, you know, and she was an author in the book and said, you know, you brought me into this world. This is what my life looks like now. So there's just so many meaningful stories that are, are captured in that book. And um, we, we uh, have an organization in Northern Ireland that's been distributing them in mass quantities to their hospitals. We shipped, I think, almost 100 books out to them. Um, so it's, it's been a really, really cool way. The individual sending of letters is so personal and, and, that's, and that's a powerful statement, but the book has been a way for us to just broadly reach folks who wanna learn more and wanna understand you know, want to understand the different stories and want to hear these stories in people's own words. Uh, Colton, I didn't want to leave you out. I wanted to see uh, how you got involved. You, you, first of all, you were so great in in uh, reaching out and getting everything organized uh, through the whole thing. So I want to thank you first. Uh, but then I want to ask about your experiences. 
Sure. Um, so I, I similarly to, to what you said at, at the beginning of our discussion, I had very limited experience with anyone with a disability or with Down syndrome for that matter. And I kind of got involved through a series of, a series of events um, that led me to where I am today. Um, I really wanted to work in nonprofit work. I really wanted to work with volunteers. And I was kind of willing to go anywhere and do anything. Um, and it all kind of came to a head after my experience as a Peace Corps volunteer. Um, and so I decided to completely change my career path. And I stumbled upon a volunteer um, position, a volunteer support position with PALS. And <clears throat> moved across the country to Philadelphia from Montana, <laughs> which is where I'm coming to you today. Um, moved to all the way to Philadelphia to start this position. And similarly, it's just been a complete life changer for me. You know, I, I spent that first summer going to nine different camps um, all throughout the summer. And it was incredible. Just, you know, after, after meeting literally hundreds of individuals with Down syndrome, um, the transformation that occurred in me over the summer was, was incredible. And that's been uh, four years ago now, <laughs> and um, it's one of the best decisions that I've ever made with my life. Thank you, Colton. Jenny, how do you facilitate so many camps um, during the year? How, how does that work out? Well, I have a great team, of which Colton and Grace uh, are, are a big part of. I, uh, we, so we have a staff. Uh, we have a full, we have a year-round staff, but really all of our programs are designed and led by young people, as I kind of said in the beginning. So we have program directors, and those are uh, sometimes siblings of people with Down syndrome, sometimes volunteers who just came into our community and had their lives changed and want to invest more time. But they are folks who have gone through PALS for a couple of years and now want to spend their year working as a volunteer to build a specific camp next summer. And so we bring in a, a new group of directors every fall in September, bunch of people apply, we select them and assign them to different camps. And then my team supports them through the entire process of designing a program, selecting the activities, uh, selecting, reviewing camper and volunteer applications, making pairings, putting teams together, and then putting the program uh, into action. And so a lot of our work has become around youth development and youth leadership within these directors as well. Having the ability to sit with a group of people who want to dedicate 10, 15, sometimes 20 hours a week to making this opportunity possible for others after they've experienced it uh, and been changed by it in the past. So Really, our work would be impossible without, without those volunteer directors. They're a key part of our mission. And as, as a young person, like I said, I was 15 when I first started camp. And um, the opportunity and the skills, that you, the skills that you take from building that type of experience and the pride and a sense of accomplishment you get after that week is complete is something that is uh, hard to describe. And it's a, a great component of our organization to be able to facilitate these leaders into being being able to do that every year. So that's that's really how we make those programs possible. We've got eight weeks of summer and 17 camps that go across all of those eight weeks. And we are in every which direction. And uh, Colton's gathering social media from all different sides of the country at all different hours of the night. And so it takes, it takes a really solid staff team, but also a phenomenal group of volunteers who wanna make these camps happen. Thank you for all that hard work. You're really making a difference. We look forward to talking to you again. Please follow us on Twitter at IfWeKnewThenPod, and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at IfWeKnewThenPod. 
or visit our website, ifwenewthen.com, to send us an email with questions and comments. And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then. Come and